Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. Y'all look good this morning. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here, and I really mean that. It's so much more fun to preach when you're here, uh, but I would do it by myself. But I am glad you're here, and I just want to acknowledge our worship team for leading us in worship every week. Amen. Don't they do a fantastic job? And uh, I'm just also uh, amazed that we have such a great God to be able to worship, you know? And it's my prayer and our hope as a church that uh, if you haven't found a way to worship him yet, maybe because you simply don't know him yet, not in a real and personal way, and that's our underlying call is that you would meet Jesus and you would be able to worship him because he is worthy of it. And so we're going to be talking about that some today. How do we get to that place, especially in this this season that we're in called Christmas, because sometimes it's very difficult. It's been a crazy year, 2021, and uh, I sent out a phone message. Uh, if you did not get, if you did get a phone message, raise your hand. I want to see. Yeah, it's going out. Maybe you just ignored it. That's cool. That's on you. Okay, I did my part. Okay, but if you didn't get a phone message and you want to be in the loop, all you have to do is go by the connection center. Be sure that they have your information or see Tim Stallings, and we'll get it in the system. That way, when we send out a message, uh, you will be in the loop and you will get it. And so as we, and the goal of the message was simply this, that we're finishing up a kind of a crazy year, another one, and uh, we need to finish faithful. That's our goal, our desire, because finishing faithful launches us into a new year uh, on the right platform, which is faithfulness. And we will begin 2022 with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you'll get the guide and all the information about that as we get a little closer uh, to the beginning of the new year. And so sometimes, though, in the year, when you look back and you say, man, there's just so much political confusion, so much uh, lunacy going on, and <clears throat> relationships are kind of strained, and there's tension, it seems like, everywhere we go, uh, and sometimes it's Christmas, and we get sucked into that, and we miss the opportunity to really enjoy what Christmas is really supposed to be about. And, and we're going to talk about that today, because I truly, no, I truly believe that God wants you to have joy in your life. And sometimes it gets kind of, uh, we lose our ability uh, to sense the joy that's in us. And I want you to know today, the message is brand new for me. There's messages that I preach and they might, might have some new information in it, but it's all kind of, uh, me the messages, the sermons that I preach kind of are a culmination of preaching for a long time and studying God's word for a long time. But I'm telling you, this stuff today is new to me. Now, all of you may know it. And at the end, you can come by and say, I already knew that, to which I'll say, why didn't you tell me? Because I didn't know it, okay? But I learned some valuable truth. I'm telling you, okay? If you'll lean in today and listen to what God's word will speak to you, you'll get this idea of joy. And you'll understand why so often we miss that thing in our life. And quite honestly, it's, it's the re one of the motivations for challenging everybody to be faithful to church it's one reason we come to church is to stimulate our gladness, the gladness in our, in our heart, to, to stimulate the joy that's within us. In fact, in Psalm 122 verse 1, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's why I like having a dynamic children's program because they love it and they'll convict the parents. 
You ready to go to church? And you feel, you feel embarrassed to say, no, son, we're not going this week. You know, we stayed up late. You know, we got to clean out the sock drawer. We got a lot of important stuff we got to take care of, right? And, and, and our kids encourage you. We're supposed to be glad. I love watching our kids come jumping in here, skipping in here to church. I ain't seen y'all skipping up in here. We need to be skippers to church. We need to be glad. And I want to show you today why. Because it motivates the thing that we hear a lot in this season. And it's the title of the message, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, right? We hear that. We sing it. But sometimes we don't experience it. I want to show you today from God's word, from his message, how you and I can experience joy, unspeakable joy during this season. We're going to go back to a popular passage. We looked at it a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and you've heard it if you've watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And so we're going to begin in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. It says this, now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. Everybody say terrified. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy. Everybody say great joy. To all people, verse 11 says, says, today your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. Tell the person next to you, you need a fresh dose of joy. Now look at them and say, I know you do, because I see it on your face. Joy to the world. Point number one, it begins with a condition of the heart. A condition of the heart. You see, in verse 9b, the second part of verse 9 in this passage in Luke, it says they were absolutely terrified. It's a condition of the heart. And we saw last week and the week before that the the world that Jesus entered into, he showed up, when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was a world where people were terrified. Much like today. We saw that there was political confusion and power struggles, excessive taxation, family crisis, infanticide, poverty, all of the makings of this world. Jesus entered in that world. 2,000 years ago, it looked like he had just watched the news of today when he wrote Luke, when Matthew wrote Matthew. It's, it, and why is that? Why, why do things seem so common 2,000 years ago as they are today? It's because things don't change. They just go around and around. This world's going around and around and around. And we just pass the same uh, rest stops along the way and pick up the same baggage year after year after year. And so maybe when we read this, we say, well, they, the condition of the heart, we're talking about shepherds, right? You know what shepherds were? People like you. And people like you found themselves on Christ, in Christmas season in a broken world, and they were terribly afraid. And maybe you wouldn't describe your life in 2021 getting ready for Christmas as terribly afraid. Maybe the condition of your heart would be confusion, maybe sadness, loneliness, brokenness, heartache, frustration, or it could be terrified, or maybe if there was a box on there that said, all of the above, if, all of the above right? And, and, and so that's the world we live in. And I want, you, I want to be honest with you. I walk in shoes just like yours. I have those things too in my life that, that want to take away 
or move my focus away from joy and miss the greatness of the season. Most of us have those things. Now, some people have a worse case of it than others. You know that's true. There's people who suffer worse than you do. And there's some who seem to suffer less. Their day's coming. And when we turn on the news, we see things like tornadoes that devastate communities. Just pick it up by the roots and sling it around. Kendra and I were with Clark and Kelsey and Caitlin and our grandchildren in Nashville uh, Thursday night and Friday night. And Friday night, yeah, from 3 to 4 o'clock a.m., we were in the conference room of a hotel outside of Opryland for tornado warning. Now, what's the chances of being in a tornado warning in Nashville um, in December? Like virtually none. But it happened. And there's people who died and everything they've ever worked for, everything they've ever accumulated has been completely destroyed. And so there's always somebody who has it worse. And there's always somebody who seemingly has it better. But the truth is, we all walk around in shoes that encounter brokenness, loneliness, frustration, anger, and all of those conditions at the heart that seem to make it difficult for us to experience the joy that we're supposed to have. Now, <clears throat> sometimes that, that condition of the heart is affected by evil that comes in a persona in an individual. You know the individual that wants to rob your, steal your happiness and uh, infiltrate your joy. You know that person that's made of the things that hell is made of. And their, their job for Christmas is to share the Christmas joy they have, right? And we've got to learn how to fight back in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about physically. We've got to learn how to battle better to defend the joy in our life. And we can. And scripture is going to help us learn how to do that. Now, why is it so important that you and I um, maintain joy? Why is it so important that you and I learn how to protect the joy that's within us? Nehemiah, you'll remember the story. He goes back to, uh, to Jerusalem and he's going to build the wall, right? And 52 days, he erects this, this, the whole wall. I mean, it's a miracle of God. But along the way, he's got Sanballat and the people who are full of the devil who want to ruin his joy. They want to take away God doing something great and significant in his life. And, and so when you read that, you find this verse tucked away in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The reason we have to learn to protect the joy that's within us it's because that's where we draw our spiritual strength from. That's how we stand strong in the face of the enemy by developing and nurturing the joy that's within us. Now, when we hear that sometimes, it seems a little foreign. Like, I don't even know what that is. That's cool. You're going to find out today. We're going to learn about this thing called joy, how we, what it is and where it's at and where it comes from and how we draw on that and how we nurture and build it up. We're going to see that today. And so we're not doing well at nurturing the joy within us. How do I know? Do a little research, right? And, and when you do your research, you'll find out Johns Hopkins Medicine reports this. This is current. 9.5% of adults over 18 years old will suffer from some form of depressive illness. 9.5. That's about one on every row. 
okay? One out of 10 almost will suffer from some level of depression. In the world, it, it, it impacts 280 million people who are suffering from depression right now. Not only that, depression is the leading cause of disability around the world. And it contributes greatly to the global burden of disease. The effects of depression can be long-lasting or recurrent and can dramatically affect a person's ability to function and live a rewarding life. That's from John Hopkins Medicine. We're, we're not nurturing joy. We're not protecting joy. We're not maintaining joy and, 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 and therefore having strength to do this thing called life in a broken world. But see, it doesn't stop there. When you look at what depression does, now you have to look at another statistic. And this one in America is from the Center for Disease Control, the CDC. And this is what they tell us. In the United States, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for all ages. Right? Now, this is the hard one, the sad one. It is the second leading cause of death for youth and young adults between ages 10 and 34. Right? It's terrible stuff. Suicide. Now, what does that mean? And what does that equate to? It means there's 11 suicides every minute in America. And, and annually, almost 50,000 people will choose to take their own life. It's huge. And, and, and we hear about homicide, right? H homicide has been on the, the rise. It's inclined. To, to this year, there'll probably be 20 to 23,000 homicides, but there will be 50,000 suicides. We are not nurturing the joy. That's, it's in this world, in fact, that we walk around in, and it's this season. And you know what we hear and what we see more than anything? Merry Christmas. A Noah back there, it's his birthday. Happy birthday. Isn't it your birthday today? Yeah. Big two zero? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm 59. That 20 bit, man, your joints are all good. You feel good. I hated that. I look forward to heaven now because I hurt, okay? Got a new body coming. That's what we, we, Merry Christmas, happy birthday. That's the world we live in. And meanwhile, one out of 10 struggling with depression, 50,000 people a year committing suicide, taking their own life. And like I said a minute ago, it's the same thing. It goes around and around. It's just different pit stops where we pick this stuff up. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, scripture, it says, what exists now is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing truly new on earth. You see, the world you walk around in looks much like the world Jesus walked around in. It looks much like the, the world that Abraham walked around in. In fact, it looks much like the world that Noah walked around in. And so there's nothing new. We're all in this thing together. So how do we do it well? How, how do we squeeze all of the juice out of it and experience life like God intended, even in a broken world? Listen, a walk with Jesus is not an inoculation against the troubles of this world. A walk with Jesus means we're walking through the troubles of this world, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes that light grows dim, doesn't it? And we get in this hard place, man, where life it just doesn't seem like it's supposed to be. And yet in Galatians 4, 4, the world looked just like this when Jesus came. And the scripture says, at the appropriate time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The condition of the heart. 
I want you to know, just like 2,000 years ago, there is an appropriate time for Jesus to show up in your world. You ready? It's now. Jesus is always ready to show up with a fresh encounter, a fresh appropriate time. I hope you have those moments where you just don't just totally rely on the moment of your born-again experience, the moment of your salvation, maybe a year ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago. I hope you learn to have fresh, appropriate times where Jesus shows up fresh because that's what we need. And I want to show you why this is so important today because it begins with a condition of the heart. But the only thing that will change the condition of the heart is a conversation from heaven a conversation from heaven now watch what happens in the text in verse 10 remember they're terribly afraid rightfully so and and now an angel speaks like that's going to help it says and the angel said to them do not be afraid listen carefully it's into this messed up world that a message a conversation from heaven it says shh listen carefully don't don't be afraid Don't be frustrated. Don't get angry. Don't get depressed. Don't get lonely. Okay? Listen carefully because there's a message coming from heaven that will help the joy within you rise up beyond the circumstances of your life. Don't you hate when somebody from the outside has an answer for your woe? You know, like like you're, you're down, you're afraid, you're frustrated, you're depressed, you're angry, you're broken, you're sad, and somebody wants to tell you, let me tell you what you need to do. I got the answers. I'm going to share it with you, right? And they're going to tell you what. You don't want to hear it. You know, when you're growing up, your parents tell you you don't want to hear it from your parents. And then you get married, and your spouse wants to tell you how you ought to respond to things. Anybody got a spouse tells you how to respond to? I don't, but I've heard of friends who do. And so they want to tell you how to respond to things. You don't want to hear it. You don't even want to hear it from the preacher on Sunday morning to tell you how you should respond to things. And let me tell you what you really don't want to hear. You don't even want to hear an angel An angel from heaven, a conversation from heaven showing up and saying, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be, just listen and don't be afraid. And the the shepherds are like, I'm out here in the dark watching my sheep like I always do. I'm standing in the Shekinah glory of God. The light is brilliant up in here. I got an angel talking to me, telling me don't be afraid. Like my grandson says, whatever, I don't want to talk about it. Right? They have every reason to be afraid. Every reason to be afraid. And the only thing that will impact that fear, that anxiety, that thing that's going on is a conversation from heaven. And I want you to know, we try to fix our joy. We try to fix our brokenness. We try to fix our heartache. We try to fix our loneliness. We try to fix our anger. We try to fix our disappointment and our disenchantment. We try to fix it, listen to me, with our own conversation in our mind. We try to fix it by patching it with conversations from the world. And I'm here to tell you, the only thing that will fix the condition of the heart is a conversation from heaven. And the conversation that we're going to see, the reason the angels get it, and they're saying, listen, don't be afraid. I need, you, I need you to push through the fear for a minute and listen. And just tune in because what I'm going to tell you is important. And so fear is real. Fear, all of us have fear. All of us have some level of fear. I did a little research. Listen to the top 10. And these are recurring. This is typically this makes the list. 
Number 10 on the list, not number one. Number 10 is sinophobia, fear of dogs, <laughs> right? There's dog lovers in here. It's all good. They are not all to be loved, okay? You know the kind, and the homeowner says, oh, he won't bite you. Yes, he will. He won't bite you. He will chew my face off. He senses my fear, you know? You've all had those. You had you had those? Oh, he won't bite. Well, why are all 48 of his teeth coming out the front of his face? That's not a smile, right? And so sinophobia, people afraid of dogs. Anybody here afraid of dogs? Kendra is, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, she did a little one. She goes, meow. Yo, it's more than meow. Okay. Number two or number nine was ophidiophobia, fear of snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? You got to hate some snakes. Amen. You should hate snakes. That's why we're in this broken world. It showed up in the garden. Jesus did this, and we should too. If you have a snake in your house, you repent of that. <laughs> Feed it a rat, its last meal, and take it out. Ophidiophobia. Here's one that we're familiar with, arachnophobia. You know what that is, right? Because you've seen the movie, <laughs> Spiders. Anybody got a crawl space? In your crawl space, there's a million and 12 spiders down there. All of them are poison, and they all hate you, and they want to eat you. Okay? That's what you feel like if you're afraid of spiders, right? It goes on. The next one on the list is aerophobia, fear of flying. I'm not afraid of flying. I just don't like flying. Because flying is made for five foot four, 108-pound people. And when I fly, it's like squeezing a two-gallon piece of meat in a quart jar. And I got a five-gallon person sitting next to me. And so I'm not afraid of it. I just don't like it. Aerophobia, they're afraid of it. What about this one? This one will touch base. Acrophobia, like an acrobat, fear of heights. Anybody here, heights don't bother you? Just raise your hand. I'm not afraid of heights. You can come to my house, clean my gutters. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Number, uh, the next one on the list, misophobia. That's a germaphobe. People that are, well, we live in that world. Ooh, we live in that one. The next one is claustrophobia, fear of small spaces. I have a little bit of claustrophobia. My daughter Kelsey has a little claustrophobia. You know, we're all good, but just don't get bunched up because things aren't good anymore. The next one is, I didn't even know this was a thing. Trypophobia, fear of holes. I didn't even know people, people are afraid of sponges because it, I'm not kidding. It's a thing. People can see a surface and there's holes on it and they're afraid, terribly afraid because they don't know what's in those holes. Go somewhere else. <laughs> but it's a thing. The next one is thanatophobia. Thanatophobia, that's a fear of dying. That's number two on the list. It's always, it's always in the top three. Number one on most lists, you ready? Glossophobia, fear of public speaking. That's a thing. I don't, no, 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 no. Right? Now, all of us have these fears. I, I, this one didn't make the list. I have a friend. She is afraid of characters. Like, I'll give you an example. I had access to an alligator costume one day at Kendra's mother's house. I, there were children around there. It's a perfect, perfect storm. So I put the alligator on. Head and all. His head's this big. He's cool. And I forgot that she had this phobia of characters. 
And I go walking around the corner like an alligator. I don't know that an alligator walks like that, but that's how I walk. (laughs) And she basically slid out of her chair in fear. I mean, it was like she had a melt, like she turned into liquid form. And probably liquid form, other forms in the whole equation. She was mortified. Now, I could say, oh, it's just me. Didn't matter. Did not matter who's in there, right? When there is a fear inside of us or frustration or disappointment or a loneliness or a brokenness or a hurt, I'm here to tell you, there are no words, human words, that will move us out of that. It takes a conversation from heaven to change that, okay? And maybe today you find yourself in that, and, 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 and I could say, hey, listen up, don't be afraid. And you could say, okay, thank you, Merry Christmas, and you walk away in fear. You walk away in that brokenness of your life. So a condition of the heart leads us to a conversation from heaven. Here it is, thirdly. Here's what we have to have. We have to have a confident message of hope from heaven. It's what we all need. That's what we all need. This Christmas, joy to the world. All of us need a fresh, confident message of hope from heaven. Listen to what happens. This is what it looks like in verse 10b through 11. It's a message of hope. The angels look at the shepherds and tell them this. And the shepherds relayed the message somewhere along the line to Luke. And Luke wrote it down. And the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. And so today it's for you. And this is what it says. I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy. Everybody say good news. Everybody say great joy. It says to all people. That means you. Tell the person next to you. That's for you. And then he goes on and he says, today, your Savior is born in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. Now, we've all heard that before, right? We've all heard that. We've all heard that message of hope. But for some reason, it didn't ring. I'm telling you, there's a key that unlocks joy. And if you will, just like the angel said, shh, listen, listen, don't be afraid. Just listen. I got a message. If you will listen to this message, it will help you find joy, not just for Christmas, but for every day that comes your way. There's a key I never saw, and I want to convey this so badly because it changed me on the inside. You see, the problem is we confuse these two terms, joy and happiness, not even in the same arena. And oh, we pursue happy, right? And we forget about the joy, okay? So we've got to distinguish between the two. And joy is, joy is what this season's about. We don't sing, happy to the world, the Lord. We don't sing that. When you're a little kid, you know, you don't sing that, I've got the happy, 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 happy down in my heart. Nobody knows that song but me. Are well, you kidding me? We don't sing that, right? We sing, I got the joy. Joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. We sing that, right? It's not about joy. God is, God is about you being holy and developing the joy and letting it rise up inside of you past our pursuit of happiness because they are not even in the same 
arena. Now, in this message that the angels gave the shepherd, the word is, I proclaim to you good news. Now, we talked about that in the Greek. It's euangelizo. It is the salvation gospel. That's it. He says, I'm going to give you good news. I'm going to tell you how salvation has come into your soul and into your existence. And he says, and that it brings great joy. It's the salvation message that is sent to develop the joy inside of you. Nowhere else. You can't manufacture it, synthesize it, fake it. You you can't uh, do something yourself to generate joy. Now, you can affect your happiness, but you cannot develop your joy. Your joy comes in your salvation. Oh, so much deeper, so much richer, so much fuller than this superficial happiness that we all seek for. This word, joy, shows up in the Bible 59 times. And the Greek word is kara. We would say kara, C-H-A-R-A, kara, 59 times. It means gladness, a cause for joy, occasion for rejoicing. And he says, listen, the angel says, shh, listen, don't be afraid. The message I have for you, it brings Magnos kara, big joy. I like big stuff. I, I like big because God's big. I just want him to dump some big joy on me. You know what I mean? I don't want no trickle down economic joy. I want the big joy, right? You know you want some big joy. The angel told Luke, the angel told the shepherd, the shepherd told Luke, Luke told you, told me to tell you, there's big joy in play for you. Big joy down deep for you. You say, well, I don't know if this is really connected to salvation. I mean, there's other means to get joy. Not really. In fact, of those 59 times that Kara shows up, most of the time in the passage, it's in close proximity to like a, a salvation word, a relationship with God word. That's what it's tethered to. Joy and Jesus roll together. Take Jesus out. Take salvation out. Take a walk with God, a real, vibrant, living relationship with God out, and the joy goes away. Listen to this. Even in the Old Testament, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of kara, joy. There it is. James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, brothers, believers, Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous, the one who is righteous in God brings joy. Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit. You get the spirit when you get saved. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents there's the word psalm 32 11 be glad in the lord and rejoice O righteous ones and shout for joy all you upright in heart psalm 51 12 restore to me the joy of your salvation colossians 1 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified you 
to share in the saints' inheritance. There's the connection. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, it gets interesting. You see, on the surface, you say, okay, boom, found it. Joy, Jesus, they roll in together. Salvation down deep in my soul. That's where the joy emerges from, where it pours forth from. It's not manufactured. It's not something I do. It's something God has done for me. I just got to get into it. I've just got to grab hold of it. I've just got to nurture it and protect it, right? Now watch this. When you study words, it's called etymology. Etymology. Studying words means you look at it and you find derivatives of the same root word Uh, that sounds a little gross but anyway you look at a word and you say what other words can be connected to it based on the way it's written you remember I said in Greek and we get a lot of our words from the Greek language kara c-h-a-r-a well if you read in Romans 6 23 which is a really good evangelism verse it says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord The free gift of God in the Greek, the word is charisma, charisma, same word. And it's talking about God's gift of salvation, but a different word. And that one appears over and over. It means a pleasing circumstance, a matter of approval, beneficial opportunity, benefit, favor, acceptance. And then we read over in 11.6. It says, and if it is by grace, then it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You know what the word for grace is? Charis, kara with an I-S on the end of it. Grace, free gift, eternal life, salvation, all of that. They're all connected. Joy and salvation and grace, they roll together. And you cannot take one out without sacrificing the other. They go together. That word grace, 155 times it shows up. And it always means a charitable act, generous gift, a favor and acceptance that leads to joy. So I want you to know today that the presence of joy, if you're saved... And you know, I ask every week if you're saved, and you all are all saved. I'm going to find me a lost church. Right? I preach every, I preach every week like I'm preaching to a bunch of hellbound people, hoping they'll re- receive Jesus and get saved. Okay? Because that's what God's called me to do. But, but, but you would tell me that you're saved. That's awesome. I'm glad you're saved. But you need to bring some lost people. Right? No, phew, crickets on that one. Yeah, you would say you're all saved. Then listen, if you're saved, it's because Jesus has marked you. He's redeemed you from the inside. He's radically transformed your soul and given you a new eternal destiny and filled you and sealed you with the Holy Spirit of God. And because of that, the presence of joy for you, the presence of joy for you is not an option The presence of joy for you, if you're saved, is not an option for you. But the experience of that joy is a choice you make. You get that? I'm telling you, this. I'm just like the angel, shh, listen. Okay, don't be afraid. 
I'm telling you, this, this, this is powerfully amazing truth. The joy of the Lord is not an option for you, but it's a choice that you get to make. And so part of the problem is we struggle dissecting happiness and joy. And most of our life is in pursuit of our personal happiness. And when I write a message, sometimes these phrases come out. And the Lord put these phrases. I've never seen these. They helped me. They just helped me. These were for me. But I'm going to share them with you because maybe it might help somebody in here. Separate joy from happiness. Are you ready? Happiness is an outside expression of an external stimulus. I'm going to share one I didn't tell in early service. I mentioned we were in Nashville. We were at the Opryland place down there that has the water park and the snow park. It was really fun, really cool. We took our grandkids, and, and Kendra was happy. Happiness is based on, <laughs> happiness is the outside expression of external stimulus. The kids were playing, they're tubing, they're ice skating, they're in the water park on a slide. You could watch Kendra, Mimi. The outside expression of the external influence was happiness. But happiness is based on external inputs. We were getting ready to come home yesterday. Judson struggled getting on the escalator like he should. And Mimi, it's Mimi to the rescue. She ripped off her shirt. She had a big red M right here on her shirt. Dun, 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 dun. It's Mimi to the rescue. That escalator ate her up. She is, no, she, is, she is no good on an escalator. When I go to pick her up, the happiness had went away. Profusely bleeding was what one, one person said. She had a patch of blood about this big. I had to cut her blue jeans up her leg. Okay, the happiness had evacuated the premises because of an external influence, right? It just comes and goes depending on what happens. So joy, on the other hand, is an internal emotion from an eternal experience. <laughs> That's so good. You didn't even get it. It went, phew, went right over your head. Wives, write that down. Tell your husband later. Maybe they get it. Okay? Joy is an internal emotion from an eternal experience. You get saved, radically saved for all of eternity. Those joy to the world's Christmas songs and worship songs, we're going to sing them forever. And we're just going to be, it's going to be amazing in our glorified state. Happiness is determined by the circumstances of our life. Joy is fixed by the condition of our heart. Happiness is determined by our place in this world. Joy is determined by our position in another world. Happiness can be taken and joy is supposed to be given. Happiness, my favorite, happiness is based on our outlook. Joy is bound to our outcome. Do you hear the difference? Polar opposites. Chasm of difference between the two. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And, and so <clears throat> the question then, okay, Brother Joel, I hear what you're saying. And you're partly convincing me that the scripture says I should have joy. It's non-optional. It's a choice. And it comes with my salvation. 
So the question is, why am I not feeling the love? Why am I not feeling the joy? Why is the joy not rising up, right? Are you ready? He tells us this too. I never saw it before, and he tells us. In John 15, a passage that most Bible readers are familiar with, Jesus talking about the vine and the branches, but there's more. He says this in John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, Jesus talking. He says, and my father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse 4 now says, remain in me. Everybody says, remain. Also, as I also remain in you. Everybody say, remain. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Everybody say, remain. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Everybody say, remain. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you. Everybody say, remain. You will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing if you do not remain in me. Everybody say, remain. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, everybody say, remain. And my words remain in you. Everybody say, remain. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Everybody say, remain. Verse 10 now says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Everybody say, remain. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Everybody say, remain. Pop quiz. What seems to be the theme of this passage? You all are brilliant. Eleven times the word remain or abide shows up. You ready? So I've studied that many times. You have to. It's a difficult passage. What's that got to do with joy? I had not seen this coming. That's what my grandson says. Keep reading. Listen to verse 11 now. I have told you this. Told you what? Everybody say remain. (laughs) I have told you about remaining so that my joy, my kara, may be in you. And that your kara, your joy, may be complete or full or overflowing. My command is this. You love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. He says, listen, the the reason I went into that whole thing about remain is because I want my joy to explode in your business. In your life, in your heart, in your heartache, in your disappointment, in your anger, in your frustration, in your loneliness. I want my joy to be complete, to swell up from within you, regardless of the circumstances. That's all happy business. I'm talking about joy here. He says, I want it. And he said, and then he says this. He says, greater love has no man than he that layeth down his life for a friend. And you are my friend. Where's the joy come from? You got a friend in Jesus. And he died on a cross to rescue you from your sinful condition. And he says, you stay close to Jesus and the joy is going to swell up. Have you ever known somebody that just seems to be so 
full of Jesus, it's annoying. You know, whole world's coming apart at the seams, and man, they're just full of joy. And you say something to them, and they got to turn it to Jesus. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I'm not happy right now. I don't want any of your joy. That's what it looks like. When we get close to Jesus, the joy swells up. Christmas, last time I checked, matter of fact, Mike England just made us a new sign on the foot down the road. It says, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, if Jesus is the reason for the season, how come we talk less about Jesus than we do anything else? Can I get a witness there? Because it's all this world that pursues some level of happiness and they don't understand joy like the saved person should understand the joy. When Jesus gets real in you, when you remain, you camp out, you abode, abide, you, you walk with Jesus, you read about Jesus, you chatter about Jesus, you talk to Jesus, the joy is going to rise up. In fact, 2 Corinthians 7, 4 gave Paul the ability to say this, I am filled with encouragement and I am overflowing with joy in the midst of all my suffering. You see, it pushes through. James 1, 2 says, consider it joy when you fall into various trials. It joy from down deep. Because of our salvation, it pushes through the unhappiness, the difficulties in our life. So the question is, how do we practice this joy? How does this thing come out and start look changing the way we look? How does it change the way we act in this Christmas season and beyond? And we're done. You ready? Philipp almost. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection of mercy, verse 2, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in spirit, and having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, hmm, sounds kind of happy. Each of you should, on the other hand, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interest, but about the interest of others as well. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. Did you get that? You want to experience joy? Remain in Jesus. When you remain in Jesus, you start demonstrating the condition of your heart that has received a conversation from heaven. And you've got a confident message of hope that has been deposited deep within you. Not some superficial surface something, but deep in your soul that rises up. And because of that, you live in humility. You stop being worried so much about yourself. And you worry about those around you just like Jesus. Now, for years, there's been a small acronym for joy. You've probably heard. You've heard it, right? Joy. Jesus first. O. Others second. Y. Yourself last. That's simple, right? If we exercise that silly little acronym in our life, the world would be a different place, and so would we. You see, it doesn't work any other way. We... 
we know people who obviously start with the why, yourself first, right? We know those people. No joy there. There is no joy there. And then we know people who are, uh, do better than that. They put other people first. They do a lot of good things for other people, and it's awesome. But other people are before Jesus. No joy there. And then we know people who it seems like their goal in life is simply to put Jesus first, and they're full of joy. You can't get that out of order. It doesn't, it's not a good word. <laughs> Yeodge doesn't work. Oige <laughs> doesn't work. Joy. It goes one way. It's spelled one way. And when you take that away, the letters in the appropriate places, Jesus first, others next, yourself last, you take that away, there's no joy. But when that's in play, joy rises up. I want you to hear the preacher. God wants to complete and overflow joy in your life. It's there. It's part of the package of salvation. You get salvation, forgiveness of your sins. You get the Holy Spirit to come in, to guide you, to comfort you, to lead you, and to gift you. And you get joy deposited in there because of what he's done. We just have to learn how to live in it. You say, well, that's a little insurmountable, Pastor. It's a little bigger than, than I can do. Because you don't know what I'm looking at every day when I wake up. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about life. You don't know my life every day when I wake up. No, I don't. But Jesus does. Jesus had that thing in front of him. And he maintained his joy. How? Listen to what scripture says in Hebrews 12. And then we are done. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are all surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And we must run with endurance the race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, remaining, 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 remaining in Jesus. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Listen. For the kera, for the joy set out for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. It was joy that pushed Jesus through the cross. It was joy, unspeakable kera. That, that motivated him to look beyond the, the difficulty of the cross. I know you got tough stuff. Do you have a cross? He looked at the cross, disregarded its shame. Why? Because there was joy set out in front of it. And he looked at the cross and he says, I'm going to go through this cross to get to the other side where the joy hangs out, where the unspeakable blessing shows up where I am no longer con even uh, impacted by the circumstances of this world. And listen, Jesus, he says he's, he's our pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's our, type, he's our type, our model, our example. And so whatever is your thing this Christmas, 
the angels, told the shepherds, who told Luke, who told me to tell you joy to the world, joy to your world. The Lord has come. The Lord has come into your world. And he brings great tidings, good tidings of great joy into your life. It's inside of you if you're saved. You just got to choose it. And then you've got to nurture it. And we change the way we do our life. I'm telling you, this message today was for nobody on the planet but your pastor. Now, if you got a little something from it, praise Jesus. I'm glad you did. But I needed this message. Kendra, did you need this message? Yes, you did. We needed it. We all need this message. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We've got to learn how to start remaining in Jesus. Just abiding, camping out with Jesus in all that we do. Reading about him, from him. Talking to him in prayer. Pursuing him. Acting like him. Letting him speak to us. And one of the many hindrances I was reading about was we we live in a world full of what's called screen time. The average American spends three hours a day looking at some screen. The average American touches a screen an average of 2,600 times a day. Hope and happiness when it satisfies them. When that happens, dopamine is released and people find their happiness in something so insignificant as that. Meanwhile, unspeakable great joy has been deposited in your soul and it's just waiting to be released. Father, I pray this morning that we will push beyond a pursuit of happiness and all of the superficial things in this world. And we will abide and remain in Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, that we will exercise humility like Jesus did, we will love like Jesus did, And that we will begin to let joy just rise up within us, God, and push through. Knowing that no matter what the difficulty of the day may be, there's joy within us. And it's going to meet us on the other side. And God, I pray right now that if there's one here today who hears this message and they just know because of the conviction and the message of your Holy Spirit to their heart, that they've never experienced salvation. God, there's no joy there for them. They cannot get there from here. But in Jesus' name, they can. I pray, God, that there's somebody that feels convicted that they need to be saved this day, that just like your scripture said in Galatians 4, 4, at the appropriate time, God sent forth his son. God, I ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to introduce this person to Jesus, your son. And this would be their appropriate time, their day of salvation. God, that they would just simply call out to you and say, God, I feel you inviting me into you. And I am a sinner. I know it. And I I ask for you to forgive my sin because only you can. 
God, I repent of my sin. I want, to, I want you to change everything about me. Turn me around and head me the other direction toward you. God, I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit. Save me today and plant that joy deep in my soul that I can abide in you forever and the joy will begin to emerge from my life. And God, for the rest of us, maybe we're already walking with you. Let this be an encouragement to dive in deeper to Jesus so that the joy, the, the great joy will be completed in us for a dark world to experience. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.